you have your Bibles and want to turn, we are in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' incredible exposition of the law, him, our God speaking, fabulous, amazing, wondrous Savior that we have, this Matthew chapter 5, and we started last week getting a little uncomfortable. Yeah. It's such an amazing thing we get to worship. It's so special that you're here to worship and sing songs to Jesus. We have such an amazing Savior. More than we can ever really comprehend. But we start to get glimpses of it in this message. So I want to invite you in. I mean, you want to be in the kingdom of heaven, right? I do. I <laughs> That means I want to be salt to the earth. I want people to know about this incredible Jesus. I want to be light. Jesus says, let your good works shine before men. The covenant relationship that walks through this entire Bible is this this grateful obedience to God. If your eyes have been opened like mine to that there exists a God in heaven. And we see the story of him in this book, the scriptures. I want to respond rightly. I want to do what, and and Jesus makes it very clear in this message as he gathers Israel to him on the Sermon on the Mount, your righteousness needs to be better than the Pharisees. Needs to be better than the most religious people. And that's why for a lot of us, I don't know, maybe not for you, but certainly for me, there's an uncomfortableness to the Sermon on the Mount. Because I kind of get the Ten Commandments approach. I don't know if you do, but it's reasonable to me that God would say, don't murder anyone. Don't commit adultery. Don't covet. Don't steal. Don't lie. And in fact, society's based on that, right? So all of us have this, this social contract with God. We'll do the things that we can do, and we'll be good people. We'll show how everyone around us, what an amazing God we have, by what good things we do. And the good things are the, the, the Ten Commandments type things, right? The being moral, it's an ethical, moral contract that we have with, with God. Whereas kids, we're going to show other people how amazing he is by being good people. So that's why this uncomfortable tension comes in, because, because it's, it's poking at that. At least I feel like it is, maybe. I had this relationship with God where he's going to be okay with me if I, kinda, if I keep my room clean. God likes a clean house, but now I'm not so sure because Jesus has moved from things that I am very comfortable with, we, we need to do this, to things that make me a little more uncomfortable, like don't get angry. Don't even look ever at something you don't have and wish you did. And, and I'm, I'm, I don't really think those, those things are that bad. And I'm not really sure I can even do them as he looks at my heart and God evaluates my heart and says, moment by moment, I'm going to look and see what you actually desire. And, and if the truth be told, I many times don't desire exactly. In fact, I don't even think they're as bad as God's making them be. I get that murder's terrible, but you do know I got frustrated for a reason. They did it to me. So this tension comes. But, but I'm willing, because I'm still in this model, I'm willing to say, okay, I, I'm just going to re-image these as, um, 
ethical things that I can now do. It's going to be a little harder. I'm a little uncomfortable with this, but I will try because I want to be a good Christian. I want to, I, I get that God's accepted me into his family. He's already done it. He's delivering me. Wow, there's a God out there and he's going to accept me. So I think along the lines of I'm going to keep him happy now by these a little bit harder things. They'll still be hard, but I'm going to do them. Not as happy about it. But ethical goals. Well, I'll try very hard not to be angry. I'll try very hard to keep my eyes, not the the first look, but the second look. However, you want to say that to say, I'm going to be better. The ethical call. Because what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount is more beautiful, isn't it? More clean. More what the law was meant to be. So we redouble our efforts to clean our house. Our house, Christ's home. Have you seen the little booklet? We'll be better. That fits my model. At least with the avoid anger and the don't look and, and the sort of don't get divorced ones. What's the problem? I'm cherry picking. That's the problem. We skip and we hit the things we're like, now Jesus says, said to you, you know, don't, don't murder, but I'm telling you don't even get angry. What else did he say there? He said, if anybody's got anything against you, you go run and make it up to them. Well, Why? They're wrong. I'm right. They're wrong. That's the whole problem. You evaluate yourself wrongly. You're not righteous. You think you're righteous. You think that the other person's doing something to you. You think that there's something wrong, but you don't evaluate yourself rightly, Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. You're saying, oh, there's this ethical code. I'm going to make it to that. I'm going to redouble my efforts to get to this bar. But actually, you ought to be quickly running to say, no, 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 I'm wrong. Here, you make it. Before you get tossed in prison. Well, I won't get tossed in prison because I'm right. That's the whole attitude that Jesus is crashing to the ground. You think that the little thing, man, you know, I do my best, I try, but, but I, I do occasionally covet what I don't have, just, just a little bit in my heart. I never tell, I never... No, that does so much harm. You ought to cut your hand off, Jesus says. Then ever sin... We ought to be like limbless, eyeless people. We're not. All this bigger introduction just to say, hey, it's more than just being uncomfortable with, oh, he raised the bar some so that I can get it. But the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually begins to dismantle our idea of the contract we have with God, the relationship we have with God, the actual things we're doing, which we automatically assume. We'll just insert whatever scripture says is the law, and we'll do the law so that God will be happy with us. That's society. It is not God. It's so uncomfortable to the point of being rejected that your little foibles are damning. We're disqualified. That I can't be in a relationship with God by being reasonably good. And I don't maintain that relationship after God saves me by being reasonably good. Sort of by conforming to good behavior, God will say, okay with me and I'll stay in good standing and I can hold my head up. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's much harder. And that's discouraging, but I'll I'll try the much harder. But it's not that I need to clean my house. I need a whole nother house. The issue is seeing yourself as without standing, as a loser, the least, a little, a bankrupt, nothing to give. Your heart, you know, you need a new heart. And I know you don't have it yet. Why do I know that? You still sin. 
I have a promise that I'm going to be this way. But, oh, that we might be humbled in our heart about what we actually have, which is what? A savior. Okay, let's look. I want to show you. This is, especially as we go now, because Jesus did these six sayings he did. You've heard it said, but I say, we went to the first three, and, they, and the first three kind of sound like maybe I can do it still, but now we're going to hit things that are even deeper. Here we go. Uncomfortable part two. This is what we're doing. First, we're uncomfortable about truth. What does that mean? Well, verse 33, chapter five. Pick it up if you want to follow along in your Bibles. Here it is. Again, you've heard it said. It was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. Okay, totally reasonable, right? Don't lie. He's quoting there from the Old Testament very clearly. You have to do what you swear to do before the Lord. If you promise, then you make it happen. That's the Old Testament law. Many of us are rightly proud that we have and continue to meet our obligations. Absolutely makes sense. If you have trouble with this, you've got trouble. Right? So, except Jesus doesn't let it stand. What? Look what he says. But I say to you, says our Savior, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Okay, I'm immediately, my head goes to, this is how fallen I am. Has Jesus never heard of Christian formula? And then I realized, as I talked in the office this week, my staff has never heard of Grecian formula. Why? Because they're that young. Hair dye, it works all the time. You can take, but no, 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 that's not the issue, right? I actually, what he's saying is I have no control, right? This is the heart of the law, says Jesus. Don't take any oaths because you are swearing by what doesn't belong to you. You're going to put God's name on the line for your faithfulness and that's wrong because you have no ability to accomplish, that's what Jesus is saying, what you swear. You can't even make one hair on your head, white or black. He's not talking about hair dye. So you just be humbled, right? You have no power. God has, and so you don't actually speak for him. You, you represent his incredible power by pointing to him and what he's done, sure, but, but actually thinking that you have the ability to, to do? Who are you? You don't swear by him like you have some special insight. You just use yes or no. That's what Jesus says. He says, so let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. If I actually look at these things, and that's what we're doing this morning. This is a super important passage in the Bible, all of what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. This is God speaking, interpreting the law, and he says to us, Doesn't he seem a little over the top, you guys? Doesn't he? It comes from evil to make a promise you have no ability to bring to pass, and yet you do it all the time. On the one hand, Jesus is saying, have no reason ever to say something that isn't true. I mean, that's why you need an oath, right? To emphasize how, really, really, I'm going to do this. Well, that means if I don't give the oath, then was I not going to? 
That would be evil for you to like not have your regular speaking, just be what you're going to do. That comes from evil. That's what Jesus is saying. That's one thing he's saying. I believe he's also saying this. Your swearing implies you have extra power sometimes to do what you promise. But, but you don't. Right? You aren't big in heaven. You don't rule the earth. God accomplishes what he wants, right? Regardless of you, God is able to do whatever he wants. And here you are saying, oh, I promise that will get done. Who do you think you are? Well, I think I have reasonable ability to do things. I think I have some power. And Jesus says that comes from evil. Well, but that's demonstrably true, is it? Have you taken a marriage oath? Well, yeah, and I've been faithful. I promise to love my spouse at all times. Do you? I will stay with you through everything. I will be your everything. I will lay. love like Jesus loves is the standard. And no husband I know loves like Jesus loves. Yet you promise that to other someone else. That's just the marriage thing. We're, we're constantly making O's and then they don't happen. We default on loans. We do things that aren't, sometimes we have the power, sometimes we don't, but we promise we make it more reasonable, like, well, I promise, but if I don't, don't follow through, then, then, you know, things happen, and I'll try and make it right later. Jesus says that's evil, right? The truth is, you and I have no power, and it's uncomfortable. The best I can do is to simply speak the truth, and then I don't. What do I mean? Well, I don't just speak the truth. I, I use oaths to try and say, oh, yeah, I really mean that, when I don't really, I mean... We've done this before. What do you do when your wife says, does this make me look fat? It gets more serious. I mean, we shade the truth with our words constantly. That's the whole point of James 3, right? James says the tongue is a pit of fire. These things ought not be. He doesn't say, and therefore make them not so, because you can't. You're stuck. The things you use of your mouth reflects your heart, and your heart's never 100% perfect. So therefore, you're saying things that are 100% true. You're shading things to one group and not the other. You're not just who you are. And Jesus says, that's evil, you know. Say, well, I'll be that way. No, you aren't that way. That's the point. It's uncomfortable, Every accomplishment you ever have is God at work through you, and yet there's always God in me in my mind. I did it too. Uncomfortable. And it's not just about truth and my lack of power, which Jesus is pointing to, make no mistake. It's also about justice. Uncomfortable about justice. Well, look what Jesus says. He says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This is the fifth of his, you've heard it said, sayings. You've heard it said, right? And he quotes what's called the lex talonis. It's part of the, the, the actual law of God. It's, it's in several places, Exodus 21, Leviticus 24, Deuteronomy 19. It's incredibly helpful. It's, it's, it's not just for a deterrent effect, like, oh, I better not hurt you because you'll hurt me back, but because it limited retribution. 
It said, you know, my, I would be thinking, my thought would be, if you take my eye, I'm cutting off your head. And the other person would go, hey, you cut off, you killed my, na- my, my, my family member, I'm killing your whole family. Like Godfather stuff, right? It's like, that was the thing. We don't normally go one for one. We normally go, you hurt me, I'll take you to the woodshed. And the law said, no, you won't. There's limits to what you'll do, and this is what justice is. It's a one-for-one thing. That's what we've heard. And here comes Jesus upsetting this totally understandable, understandable law. But I say to you, Jesus says, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. If anyone would sue you, Take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Seriously? I mean, I'm pretty much flabbergasted. This is the word of God. This is the Jesus speaking with the power of the law. And and doesn't, doesn't he understand justice? Doesn't he understand what's right? I'm not supposed to seek justice. Don't resist the one who's evil to you. I mean, evil. Personal harm to me, and I don't honorably and justly get to do what's fair and right. This is not what I want. So what you want? I don't know if it's what you want or not, but it's not what you do. I can make everybody in here so mad with just a few things that I would take from you unreasonably. I tell the story, I've told it once before. It's a pastor story. It's it's not from me, but late one summer evening in Broken Bro, Nebraska. So Nebraska, late at night, truck driver comes, he's tired, comes into the diner, orders a burger and fries and a drink, sits down to quickly eat his dinner before he keeps trucking down the road. And these three motorcycle gang people, Hells Angels types, come in and start hassling him. They steal his hamburger. Another one grabs a handful of his fries and someone starts drinking his Coke and they're laughing at him. He's a small guy. And they're big old guys. And what do you think he's supposed to do? No, this is not a case where he's going to pull his gun and shoot him. He walks up to the counter and he pays his bill. And he goes back to his truck. He drives away. And, and the, the three biker guys say, <laughs> not much of a man, is he? And the waiter says, I don't know, but he's not much of a truck driver. He ran over these three motorcycles on the way out. I like that. Why do I like it? That's fair. That's just. They're going to mess with him. They're going to pay the consequences. They're going to do what's wrong. They're going to fight. And, and that's what I want. I want, what's that? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. What does Jesus say? No. I can't have that. I, 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 I go, yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm not supposed to even desire that. I love hearing stories of, of, of proper people getting their place. I, I, don't get mad. Get what? Even. <laughs> So if someone sues you and takes your tunic, fight back. You need that tunic. Nope, give him your coat too. 
If someone forces you to go a mile, the Roman soldiers could do that. They could make you do something. It's like authority taking advantage of you. The government's taking advantage of you. And they're doing that. And you say, oh, no, 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 do more. You guys get your property taxes this year? They're crazy. So no, no, send back double. What? <laughs> Never in my life. It's wrong. What is Jesus doing? I don't like it. Don't water this down. Either it's behavior you need to do or it isn't. Not occasionally, every single time. Someone comes and slaps you. I'm going to punch them. No, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to give them my car keys so they can take my car. That's what Jesus is suggesting about your personal justice. I'm not talking about wars overseas. I'm not talking about whether things should happen. I'm talking about you and how we respond to slights to us. This is what's needed and what it actually is. It's condemning to me because I don't agree with Jesus. I may try and do this a couple times because Jesus told me to, but my heart will only partially be in it and I'll be trying to do the law. I'm trying to clean my house. I'm trying to make sure God's happy. I don't desire, this is not my desire. It's crazy to say that it would be. I want to accuse God of having no heart for justice, but what I'm actually revealing is no trust in a God who actually is God. He is absolutely able to do anything. And I don't really act like he is. And, and what salt and light is, if there's a God, I'm presenting him. He's not about personal advancement. He gives and gives and gives. He tolerates injustice. He's able to do whatever he wants. And I'm saying, I want to be his representative. I want to be salt and light. Well, this is what it takes. Be this. And I realize, this is what I realize, I'm not. I'm not sure you are either. That's two of them. <laughs> There's one more. It's just as bad. In fact, it's worse. I'm uncomfortable about love. Love, love is the, the thing, right? God is love. Love is like permeates the scriptures, the hesed, the, the beautiful, amazing, merciful love of God. He, he, it is what we all aspire to. If there's anything that becomes like our ethic, what fulfills all the laws, be loving. So I get like this is the thing, right? Jesus is finally gonna land on love. So he says this, he says, you've heard that it was said, verse 43, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He turns one more time to the law, Leviticus 19. It clearly says, love your neighbor. It doesn't just say that. It says, as yourself. Right, the implication is to consider all the circumstances and, and frame everything that you're treating your neighbor like as you would yourself. So, so I, I, I use the example of, of Les Miserables sometimes, you know, like Jean Valjean, and he comes and he steals a loaf of bread from the, the person at the marketplace. You're really gonna love that man. I try to put myself in his shoes. I realize that the, the innkeeper, the person making the bread, maybe has a thousand loaves of bread, and this, this man is, has a family who's starving, and he's just going to feed his child at home. And I think, oh man, I, I, I get it that you shouldn't do that, but, but my heart of compassion and love goes out to you. Please have 10 loaves of bread. Just take it and go. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay down my life for you. I'm going to put myself in your frame, in your shoes, and understand you, and like you're my neighbor. 
It's a big deal. It's hard, but I get it. The people that I care for, I bend over backwards for. I'll do anything for my daughters. I love them. And the implication is not everyone is in that circle of you caring for them. Because there are people that want to get you. I'm not talking about those people. I'm not talking about the Canaanites. I'm not talking about the people who are like wanting to do you harm. Well, I'm not talking about that, but, but there goes Jesus again. I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Wait there for a minute. No way. I mean, fine, I will pray for those who persecute me. I pray for a lot of people. I love to pray, take people to the Lord. Have you heard of the imprecatory Psalms? I'll pray those for my enemies. Oh, Lord, please send fire and brimstone on that person. Because I'm right and they're wrong. They ought not be doing that to me and it's terrible. Lord, get them. Sick them, Lord. Strike them with head lice. No, love your enemies, right? You see that man who ran into the back of your car and hurt your spine so the rest of your life you're going to be in pain. And you just give them a hug and do everything you can for them. You see the person who you believe cheated you out of your entire existence and has made your life a living hell and that person you lay your life down for. You see the person who mistreated your family or or took advantage of your daughter, something like that. I mean, that gets me viscerally like I'm imagining, right? If I want to imagine an enemy, it's an enemy of someone who's hurt my family, and then I'm going to get them. Do everything I can to get them. I cannot love those who actively want to harm me all the time. Can you? I mean, what possible actual justification is there for that? And Jesus says, well, so that you may be sons of your father who's in heaven. He makes his son rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And he doesn't stop there. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do you not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? You want to represent God? That's what Jesus is saying, right? He loves his enemies. He loves people who hate him. He sends rain and blesses people who can't stand him. God loves those who hate you and hate him. I I can hear it, right? Can't you hear Jesus on the cross and they stabbed his side and they are spitting on him and they're doing, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He didn't have to stand the cross. 
I'll tell you what, we stand condemned. Why? Because I, I treat this like a law I can do. I kind of say, okay, I'll get it done. But I never do this. Not wholeheartedly with a joy and a passion. And I want to represent God. Here I am representing God. I'll say, well, I did this for the glory of God. No, you didn't. You mixed motive person. Well, Dax, you're discouraging me and now I won't try. No, it's beautiful. Jesus said, do this, do it. But the point of the sermon is you don't do it. Right? We're talking about the real deal. We're talking about you being in the kingdom of heaven. We're talking about you, not how you should live a successful life in your own eyes in society. This is what doesn't work in society. This is otherworldly. And I get it, right? Because otherwise you're taken advantage of all the time. There's people who take advantage of you. There are people who mistreat you. The, the laws are set in place so that this doesn't happen. You do these things, you know, so that society functions. That's not this. This is you being salt and light to the earth. This is you being a representative of who God is. Why? Because God is this way. We aren't to try. We aren't to pick and choose We're to be perfect. That's how the section ends, and that's how Jesus ends this portion of his sermon. He says, you therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now he says that to them, right? That God is their Father, their heavenly Father sitting there. He's talking to them about them being in relationship with the Father. Not not so they can be in relationship with him, but so to be salt and light. So to show what the Father is. So So to be showing your good works before people. You need to be this way. This is why I get so upset at so many so-called people telling you, hey, you, you, be good, do good works so that people see. And, and, and the good works they're talking about are, are like Old Testament law. Have you read the Sermon on the Mount? Do you realize what it means to actually be salt and light? You've got to be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. There aren't any gradations, no part ways, no steps, no training of the heart to be like God. Just a huge flashlight. Look, see the wonder of God in heaven. You know what I really want most of the time? I'm opening my heart before. I I want to show that I choose correctly. I follow through on my oaths. I have ability and power. The corollary, if I break a promise, then I'm bad, but not before, because I am able And that's the sin in my own heart. You know what I want? I want to have justice. Don't tell me no. I have suffered. And God, who is a God of justice, actually prescribes punishment for people who sin and injure me. It is not right for me to be forced to do more, to give more, to be put upon and looked down upon. Isn't it? I'm somebody. You know what I want? I want to love people who love me. I want a community of love. I don't want to lay down my life for people who don't even appreciate me, who don't care for me. I want to find people who love me, and then I will love them. 
I'm even willing to love them first if I have a reasonable assurance they're going to love me back. Reasonable, right? All of it, all these things I want. To my mind, where I sit, reasonable. I am not like God. Neither are you. You and I don't belong with him. You and I are not salt. You and I are not light. When this, if, you, if what I described of me is also you, when this is you and me. There is no hope for you in your attitudes because we somehow do a little piece of the law. We decide what binds God to the law. We put ourselves on the judgment seat. We, we who are nothing decide that we are something in ourselves. We are utterly condemned. We are not perfect. We are fit to be trampled on. Thanks for the uplifting message, Jax. Let's go home. We want everything on our terms. Informed by God, perhaps, but doable by me. We have hearts that are hopelessly twisted. Today, this room, nobody escapes. Not a, well, you know I was this way, but I'm not this way anymore. No, that's the whole point. I'm, I'm stuck in this mode of cleaning up my house. And if you're like that, come on up afterwards. You know, I want the deed to your house. And if I ask for the deed, you should also give me the yard and the land. Someone asks for your, 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 your tunic, you're going to give them your cloak, right? Okay, lay everything down for the person who most despises you and keep doing it perfectly until you perish. Okay, represent the perfection of God in all that you do. They say, Dax, there's got to be another way. Of course there is. You just got to give up this one. Right? Not that this isn't beautiful. Do, do you realize in all these things we're describing who God is? It's extremely Christ-like. It's incredible. You're not Christ. That's, that's, that's it, right? You're united to him in his action for you, in his deliverance, in his wondrous love. Oh, enemy. The, the law condemns you and your heart just like it does mine. I'm humbled. This is the division proclaimed by God. You're not a division between those who act good and those who act less good. It's not between, between that. It's between those who see they need Jesus and those who reject him. And I need Jesus. It's between those who cry for mercy with their lives and those who don't. Those who see their need and those who don't. Those who actually trust Christ, forgiveness, and the covering of all our past sins, all our present sins, all our future sins in the blood of Christ. How crazy cool. That's the problem. I, I too often am in the role of the elder brother in Luke 15, and, and the Pharisee in Luke 18, and the person who doesn't want to wear the wedding clothes with the wedding feast. I, they're there, right? They're rejecting this message of it's all Jesus. I want justice for me. At the end, that condemns me. That's why the reality is here in Romans 7, who will deliver me from this body of death? Because that's what we have. Not just physically dying, but this body of death that cannot escape the desire for personal power, personal respect, personal justice, personal everything. 
And who does? Thanks be to God. He does it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. No condemnation is the sweetness on our lips. It is finished is the cry because Jesus actually has done it. This is great news because we're free. We see the beauty of these things. We see it. The, the Sermon on the Mount presents such a beautiful image of who God is, and I see it. I, I, I never think, though, that I can somehow patch up my house and make it that. We shine light because we agree with God who is light. That what? That you are evil in yourself. But he forgives Sin is confessed. Not not reparations for your sins like you actually can. Pay back to God what you've done wrong. No way, but freedom in Christ. Everything ever. He loves you and me because he loves his enemies and I've been his enemy. He doesn't count your sin against you. He, He makes you into who he wants to be because the one who has power is God. It's gonna need you be resurrected. You can't do that. God can. I can't wait. This becomes the best news ever. If you'll actually receive that it is not about your improvement. It is about forgiveness. Would you receive it? Forgiveness full and free. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for all you've done for us. Thanks for who you are. Lord, as you speak about these things, they become more and more difficult for me. For us. Lord, how I want myself to be increased. Lord, how I want my version of success. Please forgive me. Please forgive us, Lord. We come again to your place, to your house, or receive from you the gift that you have of mercy and forgiveness and, and, and even the promise that you will make us into who we're to be, that we'll have the right hearts and have the right deeds. And Lord, we trust you with all of it. Forgive our unbelief, Lord. But we ask that you would be strong where we're weak, that you would use us to be light and salt in this world by our proclamation of the truth of who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.